So uh, if you don't know me, if I haven't met you, my name's Rachel, and I've been the worship leader here, uh, if you can believe this, for almost 13 years, which is very... Anytime I started to get into where I could say I've been doing something with the umpteen years, I started to feel a little old. Um, the very first time I ever led worship, I started singing on the worship team and, and had always kind of had that in my heart. Um, and I used to sit at the piano and my dad would kind of show me and I had this burden to learn piano, to just worship to the Lord. I used to sit at the piano and say, okay, Holy Spirit, if you put this burden in me, you're going to have to teach me. And I would sit there and say, I'm not getting up until I learn something new. <laughs> and uh, slowly but surely, the Holy Spirit would just reveal things to me. And the very first time I led worship was for a conference of pastors. So no, you know, no pressure. And um, I, I was, I think I was 18 or 19 years old, and I led worship for the, it was a quadrennial conference, and that's actually, I think that's where Pastor Roger became, was, became bishop, I believe. That was just cool, a cool day. And uh, it went, nobody, you know, the piano didn't fall down, and like, I, I, it, nothing bad happened. So it was like, okay, cool, that, that worked. And like a week later, I got a call on my way to class, and it was my dad, and he said, hey, you're the worship leader now. And I was like, okay. So I just really took that position out of obedience. And, and how many of you know when the Lord calls you to do something, you, don't, you kind of learn on the job. So I learned as I, as I went. We had many awkward Sundays um, where I just was grateful to the Lord that there was people in the congregation that knew how to worship and that knew how to seek the Lord because... It was a mess, and the same thing I did to my, then it was my fiancé, Chris, where I was like, oh, you're the drummer now. And he, do you know how to play drums? No. I learned, you can learn, right? So I, if people would joke about how we give each other dirty looks and stuff, we, you're not playing that right. And, and the, we just kind of contended for that, and, and the Lord was faithful. And um, when you're faithful over little, the Lord increases. So that's kind of my, my background. <laughs> And I went to Fresno State, and I have a degree in music education, and now I teach little kids to sing, which is uh, both rewarding and challenging at the same time. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're, I, I am risking being really predictable this morning because I want to talk to you about praise and worship. But that's my heartbeat. And, um, and I feel like there is, there, there's a difference between what is worshipful and what is worship. And so a lot of people say, well, everything we do when we come in this building is worship. You know, when we listen to the word, it's worship. When we, uh, you know, and that is true. It's worshipful. But I'm talking about the, the actual act of praise and the actual act of worship. Um, and so at Church of Living Water, we are intentional about our vertical outpouring of worship to the Lord. And um, I realize that a lot of times we get up on, on the platform and, and we start worshiping and we're praising and we don't always explain what we're doing or why we're doing it. And if you don't come from a, a, a background that, that does that, you know, it might be unfamiliar. So we're going to take the time to kind of dig into that a little bit today. Um, so we're intentional about that vertical outpouring of worship to the Lord. And you'll hear a lot of times our songs will even shift um, when we get into worship from, from a perspective of me, and this is what I feel about the Lord, into, Lord, you are good. Lord, you are holy. And then our, 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 we lift our eyes and our focus shifts to, to him. And that's what we do. So when we come together, we sing and we lift up praise to the Lord. It's not a concert. It's not, a, it's not because, oh, that's a good song. Let's, let's do that. We come together as a congregation and we assemble ourselves to praise the Lord because he is holy. And we make uh, three, you know, three things really happen when we do that. We make a conscious mental decision to lay aside distractions. We, we come in 
And as a worship leader, I really can, I've learned to sense the atmosphere. And um, I, can, I can sense when people come in and there's joy and there's celebration and we're, we're ready to worship God. God's so good. Let's do this and all that. It's really easy. And I can sense when people come in and work, because life is hard. Life happens and we come in and we carry burdens and we come in with, our, with weight. And, and we make a conscious mental choice to lay those things down and shift our focus to the Lord. And then we make an emotional decision to open up our hearts. Now, we don't go into worship, we don't plan worship with the, with, we want to tug on their emotions, but it is an emotional decision in our will to, to open up our hearts to receive uh, from the Lord. And also we make a physical decision to lay our flesh down and turn toward a holy God. So it is, it's a physical act. We stand, we kneel, we lift our hands in total dependence on the Lord. There's physical things that happen even to, uh, to seek the Lord. So those three things that happen, and, and we worship because the scripture commands us to. If you want to dig that out, I could, I could be here all day giving the scripture references about praising the Lord and worshiping him. So I'm not going to do that because I get hungry about 11.45. So... Um, we won't, we won't do that at all. <laughs> if you want to talk to me later about it, I can give you that. But uh, we're going to turn uh, to Second Chronicles 20. And I have a lot of scripture uh, to unpack in this chapter, but I think it's all important. So we're going we're gonna to take the time to do that. So if you're in Second Chronicles 20, I believe, yeah. And I've got a lot of pressure to say all these names correctly. So Leroy will help me out, and so will Grandma Linda. So, um, so we're here to start right at the beginning of chapter 20, verse 1. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in... Go ahead, Leroy, what is that? Hesazon Tamar? Did I do it? Oh, score. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. And proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So we'll stop right there. And just for some background, uh, until that time, Jehoshaphat, he was not like his predecessor, Asa. Uh, Jehoshaphat sought the Lord. And he went in and he tore down the idols and the wooden images and he actually established teachers throughout all of Judah to train the people in the way of the Lord. There was a great return to the Lord under his reign. And because of that, um, the nations surrounding them, they were too afraid to attack. The Lord, the Lord, uh, the Lord held those enemies back, and they were afraid. Um, and so it says, if you go back more in chapter 17, if you, if you go back further, Jehoshaphat had a heart after God. And so the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah, um, so that they did not make war against him. And even the Philistines had brought them gifts. And this is the same, the Goliath, Philistines, they're, they're so, they were afraid, and they brought them gifts, and, and their wealth increased, and it was a great, prosperous time of peace. So Jehoshaphat loved the Lord, he sought the Lord, but he had not known great battle or a, a great threat until, until now. And we don't know what caused those enemies to decide to attack. Um, the Lord could have continued to hold them back, but he didn't, because he was going to allow Jehoshaphat to experience victory and the protection of the Lord in a different way. And how many of us get into those positions sometimes where we experience times of great prosperity and of great peace and then we face a battle. And that battle, it's an opportunity to see the Lord's faithfulness in a new way. 
And so um, as you read this passage, Jehoshaphat does three things in response to what was the greatest external threat to his kingdom thus far. So first, he calls a fast throughout all of Judah. He, go, which, uh, he goes to prayer. It's a novel concept. He goes to prayer. And the, the area that we're going to focus on is that they praised. They praised as these enemies were, were coming against them. They stood before the Lord and they praised him. So uh, it's, you start at verse 12. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly and sought the Lord. So we're going to read this passage. It's, it's a little long. We're going to read it, and then we're going to go back and unpack it, because I, I want you to have the background of this story. So he says, O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we, uh, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Amen. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. He began to prophesy. Uh, we're going to skip down just a little bit. And he said, Listen, all of you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And now, before Angel even came up and shared that testimony, I was just reading through my notes in prayer, and the Lord told me, that is the word of the Lord for you, Angel. That you need to stand still and position yourself to see the salvation of the Lord. Do not be afraid or dismayed, but the battle is the Lord's. So that's the word of the Lord to you today, Angel. We're going to keep going. Um, Verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. That's why we worship loud and high. Amen. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. And now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab, this is, this is what's so crazy. I love this. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end to, of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. It's amazing. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth, and no one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah. Is that what we said it was? For they, there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Barakah until this day. And then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. 
So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for this God gave them rest all around. So I wanted to go through that. The Lord doesn't even just call them to victory. He brings abundant victory. They collect the spoil for three days. And then they go and worship the Lord. So that, that experience is not a unique experience for the people of God. If you go through and read many, many times, is praise used in battle to bring victory. Uh, it's instrumental in victory in battle. And so Judah, which means praise... Judah knew how powerful their praises were, so they were every bit as important as physical weapons. They saw that in their arsenal just like a sword. Their praise out of their mouth that they lifted up was every bit as important as a physical weapon. And that hasn't changed. The battle might have changed for us today, but the weapons have not changed, and God has not changed. And our praise is just as much of a weapon against the enemy today as it was then. And that is why we praise. That's why we come together and we lift up the name of the Lord. Uh, So their praise put a demand on the presence of God. See, we don't just praise. We don't come in here and we don't praise and just, oh, God, I hope you show up. Hey, these are great songs. God might like this. Like, I hope God shows up. No, he cannot help but move. He cannot resist the praises of his people. But their praise also confused the enemy. It literally caused the enemy to turn in on themselves and destroy each other. How cool is that? That's like they didn't, didn't have to lift a finger in that battle. They just watched the enemies all coming. Whoop, they just converged on each other. So uh, we face battles every day. Some of us, we face personal battles, we face battles in our family, but we as the body of Christ, we're in a battle. And, uh, you know, A.W. Tozer, he said that many Christians view this world as a playground rather than a battleground. And we, it's time for us to wake up and see that we are in a battle because there are only two outcomes. We either win because the Lord is victorious or we forfeit because we can't lose. We just don't engage. So we have to engage in the battle. We either win or we forfeit because forfeit is we, we just choose to not engage in the battle. We choose to stay asleep in the light, right? That Keith Green song, that we're sleeping in the light, right? That, uh. So in the Old Testament, the, the children of God, they faced physical battles, but now we've, we face spiritual battles and sp- their spiritual warfare and praise is our weapon against the attack of the enemy. And so there are only, I'm going back a little bit, sorry. Uh, Whatever battle that you carried in with you today, wherever you're at, whatever you're facing, your victory and your breakthrough, it's on the other side of praise. That our praise precedes that victory, it precedes our breakthrough. And that's so against what the world might might teach us, that we want to wait until we have everything lined up. And say, oh God, you're good, you worked it out. No, he's going, he, he will work it out. Our praise has to happen first. Same reason those walls of Jericho, they fell down when their shout went forth. You know, it, it happens all throughout the Bible, so we're just, just picking on this story today. Uh, but even the prophet Isaiah, he said to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It's a conscious decision to clothe ourselves in praise. And that we can't, we can't separate worship and warfare. If we divorce worship from warfare, we get this like neutered worship. 
that's just so me-focused. And, you know, the, our culture, I don't mean to get, like, on a soapbox about it, but, like, our culture has become, we're consumers, and we consume worship music. And, like, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. <clears throat> we like, I, I mean, I think you should always have setting an environment of worship. But if you listen, a, a lot of worship music that is produced today, it's very soulish. It's very emotional, and it's, it's all about me and what God has done, you know, or how I feel about this or my feelings or all of this. And, and you notice this difference in the atmosphere when we start to sing songs about the crushing of the enemy and about victory in Jesus. All of a sudden it changes because it shifts our focus. So, so when we separate those two, it's, it's just this puny, weak, you know, nice song. And we can't, we, can't, we can't do that. We have to be a church that sings and knows what we're doing, right? Um, so anyway, singing to the Lord, you're going to see, if you read through the Psalms, I love the Psalms, I love reading about David, um, but if you read through that, you see many references to singing and making music to the Lord, um, and a lot of people, like I said earlier, we say, oh, like, worship is this and worship is that, but there is something in the physical act of singing that is, that is worship to the Lord, and I just heard somebody say uh, yesterday at a retreat we were at, he said, I hope there, I'm not a good singer, but I hope there's this, like, almost like a Holy Spirit auto-tune that like when it goes up through, <laughs> that all of a sudden it sounds beautiful. But, but it's, it's really true that, that our, but worship, you might think it sounds good or it sounds bad, but worship from a sincere and pure heart is, is beautiful to the Lord. So there is something in the singing, the physical act of opening our mouth to sing. And, and singing is, is vulnerable. It is. If I ask anybody stand and sing, most people would be like, No. Um, I teach fifth and sixth graders to sing. I have half the sixth grade football team in my choir. And they sign up for choir because they don't want to, they car, they, I got football pads, I don't really want to carry a trumpet, so like, I'll just do choir. And um, that's basically why they end up with me. And so it's in, I teach in Clovis Unified, and that's the, the new system for music is that every fifth and sixth grader is in something. They're either in band, strings, or choir. And uh, choir is the biggest group because no one wants to carry an instrument. So we even do this whole little exercise at the beginning of the year, like, why do we sing? And they're like, I did this because uh, my mom doesn't want to pick up a tuba every day. And I was like, cool, that could be your reason. Let's tap into that why. Anyway, sing, I have to promise these boys, that especially the boys, so, some of the girls too, but especially the boys, when they come into choir, they look me in the eye and they're like, are you going to make me sing? I said, well, yeah, probably. It's choir. And they're like, but no, by myself? I said, no, I, I have to promise them I will never make you stand up and sing by yourself unless you want to. Solos are like on a voluntary basis. And the first day we come into choir, I'm asking them to do these crazy things. We do, you know, all these vocal slides. And they're like, what? Girl, you're tripping. They're like, I'm not doing that. And it's vulnerable. I watch it happen and I watch them start to trust and build trust with me. And they're like, okay, everyone's doing it. And the choir is cool because peer pressure is cool in choir. It's like, we're all doing it. So you should join in. It's the only time I ever like pressure my kids to do stuff. We're all doing it. So you should do it too. But um, God, I, I, God gifted every single person the ability to sing. And I am one of those people that believes everybody can, everybody can sing. Anyway, you not me. No, you can't. The, there is something in that sacrifice of praise when we lay our flesh down and we're vulnerable before the Lord to sing. That sound that is released out of our mouths shifts something in the atmosphere. Okay, and I, I, I see the, those little kids, they're, they're so sweet and they're totally... I can't believe you're making me do this. And I'm like, just trust me, you guys. And they're, they're so sweet. But um, anyway, Hebrews 13, 15, if you want to pop that up there. 
uh, it says, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So it doesn't say to praise when you feel like it or to praise because you like to sing or because you love music or, or because it makes you feel good. No, it's, it's praise. It's a sacrifice. And I would be lying to you if I said that every Sunday when I come to lead worship that I want to do it. Sometimes I really don't. <laughs> like the days that you see, so I know, I, I know, like Jessica, um, the, she's not here today. She's sick, but uh, Robert has been deployed for a year, and I know that those days when she presses in and she's dancing before the Lord are the hardest days. It's because it's a sacrifice of praise, but it shifts the atmosphere. And the days that most of the time when you see us real, real excited, really dancing before the Lord, it's because it was a hard morning and we're pressing through, to be honest. It's not, it's not like it always, we always just have this great desire. But we've disciplined ourselves to, by this point. It's a discipline to praise. So uh, praise is not always easy. It would have been really scary for the people of Judah <laughs> standing there. Okay, you're going to go sing, you're going to go sing, you're going to go sing. Me? What? Out there, like in front, of, in front of the army, with no protection. Go sing and lift up praise to the Lord. Um, there, was, there was faith and trust in that praise. And there was a sacrifice in their flesh. They must have felt so much fear. I mean, really, their flesh must have been rising up. And they, and they have to cast it down to lift up praise to the Lord. Um, so I want to go back to when we said praise puts a demand on the presence of God. Psalm 22, 3, it says he's enthroned in the praises of Israel. That the Lord is enthroned in our praises. He arrives on our praises. When we go in to worship, we don't have to, we don't have to wait three or four songs until he shows up. That he hears, oh, they're, they're singing, they're praising. And he can't resist, but come. So um, just as Judah, they went into battle with praise as their strategy. We must face every circumstance with praise as our battle strategy with full confidence and with full expectation to expect, we expect the Lord to respond because he says he will. So it's not, oh, I, I, I hope he shows up. No, he will, he does. And so when we come together as a congregation, God is faithful and he arrives on our praises and our praise, it shifts our focus from what's surrounding us and from the circumstances that we're facing to the God who has control of all things. And our praise doesn't just invite the presence of God, but it confuses the enemy and it pushes the enemy back. So the enemy literally turned in on themselves and destroyed each other. They can't stand the presence of God. The enemy cannot stand in the presence of God. He can't stand it. So, uh, um, where am I here? The devil does not expect us to praise. He, he doesn't expect it. When we're facing hard things, that response from us is like a surprise attack on the enemy. If you can get the if you're in battle and you have surprise on your side, you have the upper hand. Amen. So our praise it confuse it shocks the enemy that we praise in the midst of great battle. And I remember one day um, when we a long time ago we were cleaning the church. That was our, one of our many jobs, so that we could afford our little six hundred square foot apartment with border trim in the kitchen. It's so cute. Um, so we're, we were cleaning the church and I remember just feeling, I don't even know, I don't know what I was dealing with that day. I'm not sure why I felt so down and I felt so distraught, like everything is terrible. And I just felt this heaviness in my spirit. 
And I don't know, I don't even remember, it was so many years ago, I don't remember what it was. And I was out in what used to be the church office and I was cleaning and there's an old song from a hill song and it was, this is how we overcome. Uh, and the words like, you have turned my mourning into dancing, uh, you turned my sorrow into joy, this is how we overcome. And so I turned that on and I probably looked like an idiot and I was in there and I just started jumping and, t- and I had tears streaming down my face and I was dancing like an idiot before the Lord. And I was like, okay, this is, I don't know what this is, but Lord, I know that you're good and I'm going to praise you. And the Lord just taught me this lesson in that moment about how to battle that spirit of heaviness. And you battle that spirit. of When, when the enemy comes at you with an attack, uh, you have to recognize the spirit behind it. And you have to, I mean, my, my parents always taught us this, that you respond with the opposite spirit. So when you start, oh, everything's terrible, and you're just feeding that spirit. The enemy enjoys strife. The enemy enjoys confusion. He enjoys turmoil. So when we allow turmoil and, and stress and all that stuff to rule in our, in our homes and in our relationships, that is an open door for the enemy to gain a foothold. He likes it. He enjoys it. But when we begin to lift up praise, he, it's all of a sudden the enemy has to run the other direction and it opens the door to the presence of the Lord. And the atmosphere shifts. It, it is a weapon, just like a sword. Um, so it confuses the enemy. It's not the response that the enemy ex- expects from us. So we create and we foster that environment that welcomes the presence of the Lord. Um, you know, Judah just stood and, and lifted up praise and God handled it. It's awesome. So in order to, the, the thing that, that stood out the most to me in this passage was that in, uh, in, in uh, verse 21, when he said, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. So they were in front of the front lines with no shields. There was nothing protecting them. They were out in front of the shields, uh, standing before the enemy that had, every, you know, whatever they had, to the, ready to assault them, and they began to lift up praise to the Lord. So that means for us, when we praise, and if we want to experience real victory and real breakthrough, we have to lay down our shields. We have to go out before those shields and all that protective armor that we've built up to be able to live in the world. And, and when we've experienced discouragement and disappointment, and we, we pile on this armor. But if we want to experience breakthrough, we have to be vulnerable. Like I said, singing, it's, it's vulnerable. We have to, to lay those shields down. They, those, they, uh, the singers and the musicians that went out before the army, they had no shields. They had no protection. They were on the front lines. And so that means we have to lay down what we've built up if we want to experience victory. So this is why we have to be a singing church, that we have to be a people of praise when we come in to seek the Lord, but we also have to be vulnerable and willing to, to put you know, church faith down or whatever it is that, that we're afraid to experience disappointment, we're afraid to experience discouragement, so we, we pile on this armor, but the Lord wants you this morning to lay it down so that you can praise him from a sincere heart with no walls between you and him so that you can walk in victory and you can experience breakthrough because the Lord, he's not surprised by your circumstances. He's not surprised when we face disappointment. He's not surprised when we're, when we're facing things that are not what we would choose. It doesn't surprise him. But, but does he allow some things? Yeah. But he wants to reveal a greater victory for you. And he wants to reveal that there is more 
It's not about just him holding the enemy off that we never experience anything tough or anything bad. But he's like, okay, this is coming, but I'm good and I'm victorious. And you just begin to lift up praise and you will see that he is faithful. And you will see the victory and, and the breakthrough of the Lord. So this is some other references for you if you want to go through and dig them out. In uh, 2 Kings 3, Elisha, he, went, he, sent before the, he sent for musicians to come and, and just worship. And then the word of the Lord came. Um, another one is 1 Samuel 16, and this is just one of the, my favorite. I love David, and I love the whole story, but 1 Samuel 16, um, Saul was walking in great mixture, and he'd consulted mediums, and he'd done all the, he'd sinned, and now he opened the door to the enemy, and the enemy was tormenting him. And his advisors around him, they're like, oh, but get David, and he'll come in and he'll worship, and those, the enemy will flee. The, the, that torment will cease. Now, should they have said maybe like, hey, you should repent? Probably. Maybe you should call Samuel in here and you should go over some of the stuff that you did and maybe we should complete. Like, that would have probably been better advice. But they said, let's get David in here. And when David began to praise the Lord, the torment ceased. And, and it says that he was soothed. And then, I mean, and then he eventually like threw spears at him and stuff if you go through and read the story. But, but see, an environment of peace was ushered in when David praised the Lord from a pure heart. And David had, had, I know we're skipping around a little bit, but David had disciplined himself to praise in obscurity. Sitting in, in, you know, looking over his sheep with his harp or his whatever, and he began to just develop this discipline to praise the Lord. It's what he did. And the Lord, he can't resist that. So he, oh, David's playing. Oh, my, my David is worshiping me. And then he shows up, and the demons had to flee. That's still, nothing's, that hasn't changed. So he understood, David understood about, about cultivating uh, a life of worship um, and, and disciplining himself to praise, um, even in difficult circumstances. In the face of death, he, he praised the Lord, and he was honest with the Lord about, about what he was facing. But it always, if you read through the Psalms, he always turns back, but, but you, God, you, God, are faithful, you are good. Surely you will deliver me from my enemies. You make a table for me in the midst of my enemies, right? So, in, and then if you move over another, just another time in scripture that this happened, it's also one of my favorite stories is in Acts 16, 25 through 34, and Paul and Silas, they'd been beaten half to death and thrown in this little prison. And in the middle of the night, they're hurting and they've been flogged and, you know, they're, um, they started worshiping and praising the Lord. And what happened? Like a, whole, a miracle happened, and there was a great earthquake, and the whole prison broke open. And their chains weren't the only ones that were loose, but they broke the chains of the people around them. How much can your praise bring freedom to the people around you that are in bondage and that are experiencing difficulty? Your praise isn't just for you to experience victory, but your lifestyle, your discipline of praise will break the chains of the people around you. You go back and read that story, it says the jailer was ready to kill himself because he thought they were going to just go escape. And, and they said, like, no, you're, we're here. You don't do anything rash. Do you know Jesus? You know, it's kind of, they knew him. And then he got saved. His whole family was saved and converted. And then, I, wasn't that the story when they came? Like, hey, you can go. And they're like, no, you brought us in here. You're going to have to let us go publicly. We'll wait. I love the sass of Paul. It's so cool. Um, but that's, that's that. Their praise set the environment for miracles and signs and wonders. Our praise has power. 
We have to be a people of praise if we want to see miracles and signs and wonders and no great victory. It comes through praise. It comes through a sacrifice of praise because it's not always easy, but it is worth it and it is necessary. So uh, at Church of Living Water, we praise. I just want to wrap this up. Um, it's lunchtime. <laughs> no, uh, we praise. We are commanded in Scripture to praise. And we praise, and, and like we said, it's a physical decision. You see, we kneel because, out of reverence because he's holy. We bow down to humble ourselves. We lift our hands because we're dependent on him. We surrender to him, so, so we lift our hands. And we don't care what the people around us might do. That in and of itself is enough reason to never stop dancing before the Lord. We expect him to move. We expect him to show himself faithful. And we praise because God is worthy. We can push the enemy back. And the enemy flees at the sound of our voices, declaring praise. Position to a position of offense. It's not just, it's like what, what Ann preached last week. Like I see. We ambush Satan with our song of praise. Our praise becomes an ambush against the enemy. And we praise because we can shift the atmosphere. And we can usher in peace in the very presence of God. I teach out, there's a, there's a spirit on that campus of confusion. And it's... I, I spent a few years at that school, and then I took one year, um, I went, reduced my contract down, and it was part-time. And so I took a year away from, they just moved me away from that campus and put me back. I'm like, what happened? left it was good <laughs> it happened in one year and it was like I the first day I go in there and I've got 60 don't call the fire marshal I don't know what's happening there's 65 six graders and it was like I don't think there was ever a moment of quiet and I was just trying like how oh my gosh I can't even get these kids to be quiet how many we get them to sing on stage yeah right like and, and I just started like dreading this I, my entire outlook on my job was negative because of these two 45-minute sections of class that I had to teach. I'm like, these kids, they could, they're still, I'm going to die. <laughs> this is bad. And I remember sitting at, at the table um, at a connect group with Gail and Martha, and we just happened to join their connect group for that night. Like, we, uh, we both had little groups. Like, Let's just meld our groups together. And I started expressing some frustration, and I didn't know what to do about, I'm like, this is bad. This is, what am I going to do here? And Martha said, are you usher in the presence of God? You carry the peace of the Holy Spirit. What are you thinking? They don't determine the atmosphere. You do. And she prayed. And I, the first time, I carried that with me. And I just prayed. And I remember getting to that school a little early and just praying over the classroom. Like, okay, I am in charge of the atmosphere in here. Holy Spirit, you're going to have dominion in here. There will not be confusion. There will not be strife. And we made about 20 minutes. Oh, I lost it. But every, every time, every class, I'm like, we're, 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 getting, we're getting there. But I'm, start, I'm learning, I'm, I'm disciplining myself 
to understand what it means to usher in the presence of God and to respond with the opposite spirit. And um, someday we'll make it the whole 45 minutes. No, we're almost there. I'm just kidding. Um, but but I, we praise because it, it shifts our focus. away When we come in and we carry all those burdens and we, we carry those things that, that are just surrounding us and they feel all-consuming, when we praise and we make that conscious choice to lay those things down and fix our eyes on Jesus and seek him and praise him, all of a sudden, that's, that the Lord gives us a heavenly perspective on our earthly circumstances. And, and things change in the atmosphere. And, and all of a sudden, we, we have this perspective and we know how to seek the Lord. And, and, and we understand that he goes before us and that he fights our battles. So um, I don't know what breakthrough you need today. But I want to encourage you that that breakthrough, it's on the other side of your praise says we overcome by the blood of uh, the lamb and the word of our testimony jesus did it and now our words have to match what the word says that's how we overcome it's in what we speak it's in the praise that goes up to the lord he i want to encourage you that if you're experiencing strife or tension or frustration in your home begin to praise the lord and watch him be faithful watch him arrive on your praises and the atmosphere will shift and there will be peace in your home and there will be peace in your relationships because God is a God of peace and the enemy is, is confusion. But he has to go when you begin to lift up praise. So I, I just want to encourage you today that, that if you need to step out in front of those shields and lay down some armor, that that is what the Lord has for you today. That it takes vulnerability. But that the Lord, when we expose our heart to the Lord, that his love doesn't expose us, it covers. So, so I just want to encourage you today that, uh, that here at this place, we've, we put a high value on praise. And it's not, it's not just singing some songs, it's not just making noise, but it's expecting the presence of God to move. And it's expecting breakthrough to come.